At the time of this recording, the border closure for non-essential travel via the U.S.-Mexico border was August 21st. This date has since been extended until at least September 21st. This is the Immigration Conversation, presented by Fragament, a series of talks and discussions by leading immigration lawyers and professionals from around the world who will bring you the most up-to-date business immigration news, issues of concern, and strategies in the world of global immigration and mobility. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Immigration Conversation, presented by Fragment. Today's topic Beyond the 49th Parallel and Rio Grande, an immigration update for Mexico and Canada. My name is Miguel Jimenez, Business Immigration Director with Fragment in Mexico. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with my colleague, Jack Kim, a Senior Business Immigration Manager in Fragment's Toronto office. So welcome, Jack. Oh, thanks for having me. Great to have this conversation. Great. Um, on top for this discussion, we will address the impact that COVID-19 has had on both Canada and Mexico, what NAFTA 2.0 really looks like for these countries in terms of immigration. And finally, we will be addressing cross-border options to and from our countries. So it seems like we do have a lot to cover and I'm very glad that we have this opportunity. Our offices, Jack, are very closely related and this is an excellent chance to tackle these very current topics and that are relevant for companies operating in North America and who see this agreement in the current environment, a very fluid environment, is challenging. So hopefully we will be able to provide updated information about immigration to Mexico and Canada, along with some insight into what lies ahead. So thank you very much for taking the time to join us today, Jack. No, no problem at all. So I would, I would like to propose that we start with the topic on everyone's desk, which of course is no other than COVID and, and how the pandemic has impacted immigration. By now, we're, we're several months into the phenomenon, the COVID phenomenon. We have witnessed a number of unprecedented measures and, and to this day, never seen before policies taken by, by governments as a direct response to this. And, and I, I think I find particularly interesting to see how much intertwined our, our economies are. This has become evident in, in many industries uh, where supply chain and mobilization of personnel has been impacted and our practices are, are sought for advice, which is very frequently needed on the go. So, um, and also very frequently not the same solution will apply to every case. So Jack, um, You've been on the forefront of, of managing fast-paced and rapidly changing large immigration programs for our clients in Canada, well, for, for many years, but particularly over the pandemic. So with this in mind, can, can you tell us a little bit more about how COVID has changed immigration to and from Canada? Yeah, no problem. And uh, certainly change uh, Canadian immigration, COVID has. Uh, I think that we kind of conception or preconception, should I say, is that uh, COVID has kind of closed down Canada uh, and uh, people aren't able to get in. And uh, when I talk to some Canadian citizens, they think that, oh, I can't travel back to Canada uh, during this time period. And, and to be honest, that for a lot of people, that is true. Uh, COVID has uh, kind of shut down travel. Uh, and if you compare 
the, the volume of people coming into Canada between this period last year, you'll see a 90 to 98 percent uh, drop in travel. So that, that there there is an impact for sure. Uh, wow. That being said, uh, th- if you look at the stats, uh, three million people have traveled into Canada since March 25 till present day. And, three million. Yeah, three million and uh, about 400k. So 400,000 of those are Canadians or permanent residents. So that means there's a lot of uh, foreign nationals who are able to come into Canada. Um, mm-hmm. when, when that comes, when that uh, exemption is is in play, it's it's the essential uh, worker is exemption that can that can help in uh, allowing people to enter Canada. Uh, people can come in if they have any pre-existing work permit or they've been approved for a work permit. Uh, from a visa office abroad, or if they're uh, an immediate family member of a Canadian citizen or uh, permanent resident. So uh, there have been a lot of people who have been able to get in. So uh, the Canadian government will never say the borders are closed. They will say that you can come in if you're coming for an essential, i.e. a non-optional or non-discretionary reason. Uh, The the other thing that has impacted Canada is, is the quarantine. Uh, there's a 14-day mandatory quarantine where uh, you can't even go outside to get food. And for anyone traveling for business, spending two weeks in a hotel room isn't exactly uh, the way to plan ahead for, for, for future travels or for operations. And so it has become a little bit of a hindrance uh, when it comes to the ability to, to travel to Canada. You can get an exemption uh, from the quarantine on your way in from a border officer at an airport or land crossing, and some people do avail themselves, especially if they're working in critical industries or some of the other exempted uh, individuals who are able to get uh, these quarantine exemptions. But that's also something to think about when coming to Canada and being prepared to do so, uh, because if not, then you'll be escorted to a quote-unquote government-run facility, uh, which may not be as good as uh, that hotel that you might be quarantining at. So uh, right. something to think about. But uh, I mean, there there have been there have been impacts. Um, mm-hmm. Now I, I I hear things are a little different in Mexico. Um, could you tell me a little? Definitely. Bit? Yeah. So um, well, Mexico is not closed. Uh, as a matter of fact, is is one of the few countries where travel remains an option. What we've seen from our clients is that we have two, two common or, or different scenarios. And, and one is short-term visits and the other is, is long-term residence. Um, for, for the particular case of, of short-term visits, uh, our immigration system in Mexico has always been known for being flexible. And, and this continues to be true. So that mm-hmm. that, is, that is very important. Um, Mexico has had for many years a, a short-term travel program commonly referred as the FMM waiver program. And in reality, an FMM is just the entry document. Um, the business travelers used to enter Mexico under the business category of, of the program, which typically allows for 180 days in country performing business activities, uh, which is also um, very beneficial because in Mexico there's an interpretation of wide business activities. And, and the good news is that throughout the pandemic and, and to this day, th- this program has remained an option while international airports in Mexico have also remained open. So that is that is very good. That, that is good news. Um, mm. As a consequence to see of this, what we've seen is also an increased number of employees and immigrants who are now 
more than before, looking into Mexico for short-term visits. Um, when en route to other countries that have mandatory or self-imposed quarantine. Um, this is particularly true for family groups or, or programs where they're now chosen cho Mexico as a place to stay and reunite for the mandatory 14 days. Um, I, I, I do believe it is important to mention that, that th this is all true for international travel into Mexico by air, um, but it's slightly different at the land border with the United States. And, and here, travelers should be aware that the United States is currently permitting only essential travel across the U.S.-Mexico land border until at least late this month, late August. Mm, okay. Now, individuals flying into Mexico will not have this same restriction, as I've said, uh, but may be subject to entry and health requirements imposed by airlines or specific ports of entry, such as temperature checks and the mandatory use of masks and other similar measures. Uh, but there are no COVID-related travel bans imposed by nationality or place of, of, of residence for individuals traveling to Mexico by air that are enforced by the Mexican government. Um, as I was saying, we also have to look, on the other hand, for, for long-term uh, assignments and in, in, in individuals who need to travel to Mexico who hold residence or, or a work permit. And this is this is the other reality. The, the, the good news is that the head of the immigration agency in Mexico published a decree on the official Gazette where all legal timeframes and deadlines, such as timeframes for responding exigencies and the actual expiration of residencies has been suspended, suspended until further notice due to the declaration of the sanitary emergency by the Mexican government. So what this means is that the immigration agency in Mexico, in, in the different Mexican states, um, have remained open since er the early months of the pandemic, but um, individuals uh, have the benefit of being able to apply after after the expiration of, of certain timeframes. Hmm. So this is beneficial uh, as companies can continue to process and apply for, for work permits, for example, and people can, can remain, for example, outside of Mexico without having an immediate consequence on their, on their immigration status. Um, also, and, and to the point of, of the immigration agency in Mexico remaining open uh, over the pandemic, this was particularly important as the immigration offices um, it, after the month of April uh, started processing the yearly update for companies that are sponsoring work permits in Mexico. So a, a huge backlog of, of applications would have been expected if the immigration offices were closed for, for this whole period of time. Um, this is not to say that the immigration agency in Mexico is not facing challenges. Of course, in, in terms of reduced mobility, even in the different cities in, in Mexico, and, and processing delays because of, of reduced staff are, are, are true. This is happening. But we see progress, and, and, the, and, and this progress continues to be made, and, and we hope this will be a trend for, for the rest of the year. Um, the, the government, the Mexican government, has really focused on, on dedicating resources to, to maintaining an active program with the Immigration Agency Office. And on, on the day-to-day, -day, we, we 
do see some issues that, that are that have impacted companies or foreign nationals with long-term resident visas. An example, um, going back to 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 the um, comment about the government decree uh, suspending legal timeframes. Uh, th this is in fact for certain types of visas, uh, but there are cases, for example, where a foreign national whose Mexican visa or work permit was approved and collected and, and they have a, a hard deadline for entering the country and, and activating the visa. And in, and in some cases, there, there is people that are, that are unable to do, do this uh, because of travel restrictions and, and border closures in other locations. So these visas have an initial validity of six months to travel to Mexico. And, and what we're seeing is that, well, six months now into, into what has been a, <laughs> a, a pandemic that we were hoping was not going to take this long, but well, it's taking more than six months for some people to be able to travel to Mexico. The Mexican immigration agency in Mexico, in Mexico City has been amenable to the idea of expediting as much as possible the reapplication of those visas. So um, even yeah. if those documents expire, um, the, the government is 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 conscious that many people are are, are having these difficulties and are and, and is willing to to expedite the process. The U.S. Mexico Canada agreement, U.S. MCA or NAFTA 2.0, entered into force just recently on July 1st. And a lot has been said in our three countries about the impact this will have on competitiveness for North America in the following decades. Um, some, some important information or very interesting information that the three North American countries have a combined population of over 486 million consumers and a combined gross domestic product of more than 22 trillion US dollars. So naturally it's 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 important for our clients to understand more about the impact of, of Kuzma uh, as it's called in Canada <laughs> or Temec uh, as it's called in Mexico will have on the mobilization of personnel. So what what are your thoughts on this Jack? Well, I uh yeah, the NAFTA uh is a uh, is, is extremely important. Yeah, I like NAFTA uh, better too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then maybe we we should all just revert to calling it NAFTA 2.0 rather yeah. than calling it different <laughs> things in our in our countries. But uh, yeah, I, I, the, the NAFTA has been, as, as you you illustrated, uh, such an important uh, lifeline for our three countries, and uh, the Canadian government uh, their their approach I think is important to look at in in context. Uh, the original NAFTA was negotiated back in the early 1990s, and uh, and and some of the anachronisms of the early 1990s show in the treaty. Uh, so, for instance, you have um, uh, in, in the labor and mobility provisions uh, a, a job title called computer systems analyst, and you have to kind of scratch your head to think, like, well, well what does that mean? And if you think back in the early 1990s when we were using 386 computers, that uh, computer systems analyst was, was sufficient enough uh, as a catch-all to describe someone working in IT. And if you do that now, uh, you, you wonder, well, does that include a data scientist? Does that include 
someone who uh, is is on the peripheral, or does it include people who are software testing? Um, mm-hmm. So in the age where like your your iPhone has enough computing power to uh, to to fuel Apollo Eleven in 1969 to go to the moon, um, I think the Canadian government was trying to look for this modernization of the labor mobility provisions. And that was a uh, something that they were looking out for uh, to as an opportunity to to re- renegotiate the treaty. I, I think that they ran into some realities, uh, some political realities as well. And um, what we hear uh, from from the grapevine is that uh, some of the some people in U.S. government uh, called our chief negotiator, uh, who was a uh, uh, Christia Freeland, who is now the deputy prime minister, uh, quote unquote, a, a, a nasty woman. And, and so, yeah, you can you can uh, you can kind of see the context of where they're negotiating in, and, and just the 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 tense nature of the, the negotiations themselves. So at the end, something of, similar. We 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 felt something similar in Mexico. Too. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I, I think uh, what what the reality is that the the Canadian government probably chose a uh, a hill to die on, which was not the liber- labor mobility provisions. And we, what we have now is the, the same uh, provisions basically intact. Um, and it's basically uh, the, the lyrics from the, the Who song, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. The provisions are the same. Uh, we, we interpret them very similarly to what we did uh, when it was the NAFTA and now the Kuzma. And, uh, and, and to be frank, we're very thankful to have them because they do provide uh, a very facilitative avenue for individuals to come work into Canada. Uh, and I'm, I no doubt some of those uh, 3 million people who've come since March 25th have been using the NAFTA to be able to do so, or the Kuzma, I should say. I have old habits die hard. And so, yeah, the TMEC, <laughs> right? And so um, I, I think that's that's where Canada stands. But I, I, I can't help but think that Mexico is in a very similar spot, right? B- very similar. Um, actually, Meet new boss, same as old boss kind of situation. <laughs> for, for the immediate future, the, the immigration system in Mexico will remain large, largely unchanged as, as the process for nationals of Canada and the U.S. within the Mexican immigration law already provides a, a wide range of visa categories and, and alternatives within this very flexible system that, that allows mm-hmm. foreign citizens, all nationalities, to, to engage in, in business and work activities in Mexico following um, certain certain a certain set of rules. Um, but you, you being the case for US and Canadian citizens, um, the, the, the system and the program will remain very, very similar, if not completely unchanged to what we had before the, the, the new treaty became effective. Which brings me to the last topic on our agenda for today, cross-border options. Any, any initial thoughts on this topic, Jack? Yeah, uh, the cross-border options are, are, are very important uh, for both individuals in the U.S. and in Mexico, uh, namely because our, our countries are so interlinked. Uh, when, you, when you look at when the lights went off in 2003, uh, the power grid associated that w- with that it went to the eastern part of Canada, down to the eastern seaboard in the U.S., and uh, from what I understand, to all the way to Monterey, Mexico. Uh, uh, so there's yeah, somewhere you true. wouldn't expect. So the, uh, the 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 expectation for some people because of that 
though those those really strong linkages is that you can kind of waltz into Canada and and start working, which is not the case. Uh, to be able to work in Canada, there are some set rules. If you fall into those set rules, things are quite facilitative. If you don't, mm-hmm. things can be a little difficult. And 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 some of those set rules that people uh, talk about include the uh, the ICT, the intercompany transfer, which is similar to the USL one. Uh, we were just talking about the Kuzma, which is one of the free trade agreements that Canada has has entered into and include um, uh, with countries with Panama, uh, Peru, Colombia, Chile, Korea, and also also multilateral treaties with the European Union and the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which include Australia, Japan, and Mexico as well. Uh, There's also situational work permit categories depending on the person. Uh, if you can speak French um, and oh, you're in a high skilled, yeah, high skilled occupation, uh, you you uh, you can and and working outside of Quebec, uh, you can get a work permit based on that. There are extraordinary benefits, significant benefit work permits, uh, as well as tech uh, attraction type work permits in Canada as well that uh, recognize that there are labor shortages in tech uh, across Canada. So there there are a whole bunch of categories that have been set up. Uh, you just need to be able to fit inside those. Um, the, the caveat with COVID is that uh, the government is looking to see if there is a particular reason, uh, a compelling reason for you to be physically present in Canada during the pandemic. Uh, but if you can provide significant uh, evidence to that part and are able to demonstrate that, then we have seen the Canadian government continue to approve applications and allow people to enter Canada as well. So I think what we're we're looking at here is a uh, a fairly facilitative uh, situation for cross border as long uh, traffic as long as you fall into the rules, and and you were mentioning rules for Mexico as well. So I'd be interested to hear what what those may be. Uh, well, we also have rules, um, but most particularly for the case of cross border, most of these rules are are determined by the proposed length of stay and and payroll location. Uh, again, the, the good news is that Mexican immigration law does provide for for different and flexible options. Some some even designed even by the National Immigration Institute, the immigration agency for for the particular case of cross border, such as the case of the electronic FMM. Um, at least for the moment, the land border is closed for non-essential travel, which can be highly discretional and, and based on the opinion of the border agent. And even more so considering, and similarly to what you mentioned, the situation caused by COVID. It, it is important to address cross-border options anyway, in, in anticipation of travel. Um, we get some some calls also. <laughs> Hey, I'm 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 traveling tomorrow, so that, that is always something <laughs> that is best to address in advance. Uh, particularly, as as you know, also have to provide sufficient evidence of of uh, trips across the border being of of essential nature. Um, it is important to note that Mexico has not imposed a, any legal restrictions on passengers or vehicles entering Mexico by land from the United States. We understand that tourists may may be turned away, so it, it is always a good idea to anticipate these these situations and 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 work closely with with travelers. So, Jack, um, 
I know we've sort of rushed through a number of very important topics and it seems like you could go on and on talking about the complexities of immigration in North America. Canada and Mexico are standing business partners and companies will continue to require the mobilization of talent and personnel across the region as, as they adapt to changes or pandemics that come our way. <laughs> um, I believe we can say that the region is now in a juncture where now more than ever planning ahead and, and having an expert guide, away, guide the way will make a huge difference. Any, any closing remarks from Canada before we log off? Uh, no, I mean, I think the, the only thing I'll say is that uh, as, as we've seen, our, our, our countries are all interlinked in this uh, North American sphere. Uh, I think a long time ago, they called us the three amigos and we were still the three amigos. <laughs> So uh, I think yeah, I, I'd agree with you that uh, things are getting a lot more complex and are, are changing. So uh, if, you, if you have any doubts at all, uh, seek out expert advice and, and, and try to create a strategy going forward in, the, in, these, uh, in these difficult times. Muchas gracias, amigo. And De nada. <laughs> for listening today. <laughs> Thank you very much for, for joining us for the immigration conversation. Stay tuned for more episodes tackling all, all you need to know about the world of business immigration into our new environment. Until then, be well. The Immigration Conversation podcast is presented by Fragament, the leading firm dedicated exclusively to immigration services worldwide. To stay updated on the most current trends and services worldwide, visit our website at www.fragman.com for the latest podcast episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is current as of the date of publication. This podcast does not constitute legal advice or give rise to an attorney-client relationship between any viewer and our firm. If you have any questions, please contact the global immigration professional with whom you work at Fragman.